As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sign up Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the Welcome to 77 Minutes, the only Dallas Mavericks podcast that Mark Cuban thinks is total bullshit. I'm Tim Cato. We've got Dave Two Four. How was that Kirk, open? Kirk Henderson has a podcast. There's no way. There's no way that we're the only ones. <laughs> That's true. I mean, personally, I think every podcast is total bullshit. I mean, who needs them? Who needs them? Let's just let's mm-hmm. just go back to the old fashioned day where we filed words for the newspaper the next morning. There's too many mediums. When I did, when I did, I don't want to say press tour, you know, a bunch of people wanted to talk to me Monday and for the first time in your life, <laughs> for the first time in my life, actually, every, every single appearance I did was by someone I have like relationships with like friends sure. and, and half of them were in network or, you know, athletic affiliated and it's a bunch of, bunch of people I've, I've known for a while. I wasn't going to say no. So, but what was the point of that? Oh yeah. Just the, the number of mediums, I, I national radio local radio, locker mm-hmm. room, which I guess is mm-hmm. Spotify green room now, mm-hmm. um, live podcast, live show, web show. You, you got a taste of what it's days. like to be TV. Dave DeFore. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's not. I, I didn't like it. I try <laughs> actively not to be you, Dave. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, it's hard. It's hard work. Uh, well, you know what? You know what Rick Carlisle tries actively <laughs> not to be? The head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. I don't I mean, he did. Listen, uh, <laughs> Stepped away. And, you know, it's funny because there had been so much stability and then your your story came out and all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, look, you know what? This team is just as dysfunctional as everybody else is. I mean, and I think that one of the things that's important to to realize and and remember, and we talked about this on Nerder today as well. um, Seth and Mo like talked about this. There's internal turmoil and power struggles in every team. So it's not like this is an aberration. This happens all the time. Many teams have uh, owner whisperers, GM whisperers. I mean, uh, Dr. Buss hired his bartender as a scout 
back in the day. I mean, this is like, this is not a, a rare occurrence and it doesn't even necessarily signal a dysfunctional organization. Maybe it's dysfunctional in the moment. Well, um, I mean, but I, it's think, not I think like, the story clearly shows a level Sure, of but it's not the Titanic yet. is what I'm getting at, right? Like this stuff happens for teams often. Uh, it just doesn't, ha- it hadn't happened to the Mavericks. Welcome. You're like everybody else. Now you got to re- reset, restart. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there's definitely levels to that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had reached a particularly higher egregious level of infighting. I think that's fair to say. In, in fighting, I haven't used that word all week. I don't know if that's a perfect word to describe it, but certainly there was frustrations that were skewing and, and being thrown in every direction by several different people who wanted more influence, were worried about their influence, etc. I think that's fair. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, we recorded a podcast yesterday. It was within an hour um, already out of the news cycle with Carlisle announcing that that he was parting ways mutually with the team as far as i know it was a mutual parting of ways it doesn't surprise me the memes have been amusing but the idea that my story caused this specifically i i just don't think is right i think that you can read in the story that the power structure was going to change the summer with near certainty whether it was i thought for most of the reporting it would be donnie up until i realized that bob had kind of been you know was not with the team and was not with the team for a good reason. But it, it seems, especially in retrospects, it seems likely that it was always likely to be Donnie. And Carlisle, there's a reason he was in Monday story as well. And we addressed his uh, inability to to work with Luca at times and and to struggle there. Uh, you know, that they they had clashes and they had a just a difference of opinion and and going back ever since Luca was drafted. I think that we really showed how Rick adapted to Luca, knowing he had to, but there's still a lot of Rick and and who he is and just the way that he, you know, is exhausting to deal with. I I'm happy to say that the franchise themselves, people within the franchise, far beyond the basketball operations and coaching staff, have been fed up dealing with him when he's having a bad day or whatever it is. And I, I think that all you, you know, you combine all those things and you combine Luca's feelings, even if Rick really did try really hard to adjust to to Luca, and we talked about his adaptability for a reason. It still makes sense that this seems like a a natural parting point. The other thing we talked about on on yesterday's podcast was just the way that Donnie was a person at times over the course of his tenure that could go to Mark Cuban and say, you're wrong about this. Here's why. And Mark, for stretches of their 15 plus years together working as GM and team owner, there are certainly times that Mark would listen and I am not reporting and don't know for certain that Donnie's uh, firing specifically factored into Rick's decision to leave, but it has to be like, of course it has to be a factor here. Well, you know what? I think that there's there it's multifaceted, obviously. Oh, absolutely. If you're Rick Carlisle, this isn't a bad time to, to opt out. Okay. I mean, look at, look at the jobs that are available. I mean, there are contenders available. I don't know that he wants to go to Boston and necessarily work for Brad Stevens, but that's not an awful situation. Maybe they aren't ready to compete for a title right now, but you know that they're not far off. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are there. You've got Portland, 
that job is definitely appealing and and there is a relationship you know with uh that front office now terry stotts being a, a carlisle guy maybe there might be some bad blood but i doubt it because uh everybody has the same agent and um you know of course the the big elephant in the room is that the milwaukee bucks might be packing their bags and there's no way I, I can imagine that Mike Budenholzer is, is keeping that job. So that's got to be appealing as well. And, and so I think if you're if you're thinking about this strategically from Rick Carlisle's perspective, okay, we we've kind of got a natural breaking point here where where the old guard is clearly on the way out. But if I'm looking at the landscape, now's not an awful time for me to make my exit as well. And, and I think that that's smart and prudent and. You know, this is what happens, man. When you're a great NBA coach, you're allowed to make these kinds of decisions because he's going to get to pick his next job. He's the best coach on the market. I mean, that, hands down, there is nobody who can touch what Rick Carlisle can do as a basketball coach. You look at what he has done consistently in his career with the talent that he's given. I mean, he's, he's bar none top five guy in the NBA. And so I think w- when you look at it that way and you say, okay, well, Things are going to get weird here for a little bit. Let me see if there's something else. And also, man, sometimes you just want to change the scenery. And I think that exactly reflects what Mark said in his statement after the Game 7 loss when he backed Rick. Mm -hmm. He said, Rick's going to be the head coach. And then he said, you know, the way I look at this, unless there's somebody who's so, so, so much better, there's no reason to replace him. It's a downgrade no matter who comes in. It is a downgrade no matter who. Right. So so Mark was in a situation even knowing, you know, I, I obviously he knew the, the Rick and Luca dynamic and the frustrations that it had caused to a to a degree and that, you know, these these were people who just did not see eye to eye eye to eye, even if Rick did go out of his way to be a Luca friendly coach. And of course, Mark viewed it that way or understood that, but he also viewed it as, you know, this is the best coach that we could have. And I am not going to be the one to fire him or, or cause him to leave. But it's also no surprise that all these dynamics and, and just the turmoil that, that we've seen this week and, you know, specifically the, that the fact that there will be a new GM. Um, yeah, I think that all, that all contributes. And I think that all, you know, makes sense that, that Rick would view it as, as his time, his time out. So, you know, and I understand, I guess, to a degree where Mark's coming from, too. I agree that whoever they bring in is, is not going to be the as to the same level of a, of a head coach as as you know somebody else but they also have you know as as we've seen coaching is not um it's not just well it's not binary right like you can't right. like it's not black and white coaching is one of the hardest things to judge think about assistant coaches and and you'll hear all the time oh this guy's a great assistant he's ready to be a head coach we have no idea until they're actually a, red, uh, a head coach. This is why, uh, like, if I were running an NBA team, I'm only hiring people with head coaching experience at some level, whether it's professional or college, because you have to know how to run a program. And I think that that's important. Now, you have a lot of, like, these super assistants who essentially act as, like, co-head coach. Um, in particular, like, I mean, Mike D'Antoni has been doing it with Steve Nash. Uh, Ty Lue was doing it for Doc Rivers. Uh, Chauncey Billups is doing it. Um, uh, who else has done that? Oh, Sam Cassell, you know, like some of the more experienced coaches lean heavier on their assistants. So, I mean, you know, I guess this is a great point, uh, a great time to start talking about who the next coach might be. Um, 
you know, so, so I guess the one the, the one thing that I was trying to express, and I think it, oh, it yeah. flows into exactly what you're saying, is that sure. I, I think the there's a lot of skills and there's a lot of things that can that lead to someone being a good head coach. I think the only things that are only you know only tied to the person himself is how they manage relationships with players, their own coaching staff, their you know their front office and the owner. Then to a degree, it's it's how this person receives information that he's that's all around him. And what choices he makes. I do think Rick's a very good strategy in game adjustment person. But as we've seen with, as I reported on Bob and the level of influence he had, yes, there are analytics people with every single team. And Rick viewed Bob as someone who did have valuable adjustments, even if, you know, there was also an understanding or, or a level of influence that Bob and, you know, had due to his relationship with Mark that also caused Rick at times to be like, okay, I need to listen to this guy because that's Mark's guy. Um, you, you combine well, all those things and point, you can, yes. A- analytics influencing rotations is not rare. I mean, that, that's a oh, thing. absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so even like in Dallas, like that's uh, right. why JJ Bray went into the, yeah. the starting lineup. And, but and I know a lot of people, people have mentioned this and that's right. Right. I, mean, I don't think. And, right. And my story was never trying to say otherwise. Right. For, I want to, sure. I wanted to make sure right. that was out in the open and clear mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people I think that have seen the rotation setting as, as some sort of a negative or an outlier or a weird thing, maybe to this, to the degree that the right. that the control was wielded, but not the control itself. I mean, every single analytics department is involved in setting rotations. I mean, because if you think about it as a coach, you have eyes on it. Okay. You need, you need like people digging in and figuring out what's happening sure. inside of it. Yeah. You just don't have time. So that's totally normal. Um, but you know, maybe the, the, you know, that, that power struggle internally was a little bit more one-sided than they liked. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, so I think I think it's it's perf- perfectly reasonable for the Mavericks to look at their ne- next head coach and think the one thing that this person must be able to do that Rick was not was manage the relationships with the locker room. And Rick was not able to do that over the past few seasons, specifically with Luca. And I think there is a stem, you know, an effect of of, you know, that it stems down that it that it starts with your star player and if he's looking at someone and if he's, you know, this this anecdote was told by Tim McMahon on uh, yesterday's uh, pod with Zach Lowe, the low post. At one point, Luca looks at Rick and says, you know, who's in charge here? You or Bob? And that's 
that's an example of your star player feels that way you know a a player that is much more structured and restricted by the coaching staff a player who is being asked to play in a specific role that isn't you know the one that they think they should be able to play or isn't getting as many many minutes as they think they should be of course it's going to be very easy for that player to also go ahead and say rick is at fault and also people behind him are at fault and in that sense you know i I don't it's not fair to say that rick lost the locker room but there was a lot of the locker room that felt like he was not um as in charge as he should be he was neutered blamed yeah, and they blamed a lot of the the stuff that they that he did that they didn't like on this power dynamic and this power structure, and that's that's when it became a problem. And so mm-hmm. I do think that the most important things thing the Mavericks can do is is hire a coach that is able to manage those relationships. And I think the obvious candidate for that is Jamal Mosley. You do th- just because of the the sort of internal equity, the locker room equity that he already has. Yeah, I think so. There's there's this video of, of you know, there's one game where Rick had a false positive for COVID and, and missed it. And Jamal mm-hmm. coached it and he walks into the locker room and everybody is, you know, they win. It's his first it great win. vibes. Yeah, yeah. And the just the, everybody spraying water and, and stuff on him like that, I think, shows the feelings. Now, feelings change once you're the top guy and not, you know, the guy that you can go to in confidence and say, this is where I think the head coach is screwing me. But I, I do think that he is a relationship guy. He is someone who manages them very well. And there is a widespread feeling across the league about, you know, of positive feelings towards this person, Jamal Mosley, and, and just the way that he he operates and, and is as a as a person. Yeah. And, and, you know, as we've seen, being a first time head coach with a lot of assisting experience like he has, and in particular where you already have the locker room equity, the barrier for entry is much lower, right? They could bring in if they're worried about, you know, maybe adding some experience, some head coaching experience to the staff. We've seen in recent years, again, like Mike D'Antoni, guys taking a year off and just saying, hey, I'll be an assistant for a year while I'm waiting for the next gig. Um, could that maybe that's a thing. Uh, I, I think that building out the staff is going to be important uh, for sure. I mean, it always is because delegation is so important to that job and you want to set up your new head coach for success. And so having a strong you know, bench of coaches next to him is going to be just as important as who the next head coach is. And if it's Mosley, it probably would be similar. And I think that's one as the, as the team goes through turmoil and the tenured nature of who has been around is changing for the first time this summer in a Mm -hmm. long time. I think there could be value in that as well. I I don't know that it's necessarily a good thing to bring everyone back. I, I think that they, they clearly need some new voices on both ends of the court. You know, um, the the offense could really use a juice and the defense just isn't getting it done uh, either. And look, it, it's a lot of his personnel, uh, but you have to scheme to the personnel you've got. So you got to figure out how to make that work. Um, you know, <laughs> poor Mike Longobardo, uh, he coached the, the, the worst defense to ever make the NBA finals. Imagine that. Right. Like and, and it's all about get, getting those guys to work. It wasn't his scheme. It was just those guys weren't going to play defense until the playoffs. Now, the, the Mavs don't have that luxury. They, they're not good enough for that. So they're going to have to learn to play defense in the regular season consistently, uh, not just, you know, being able to turn it up for stretches. And as a knock to, to Mosley, he was the guy in charge of the defense. Last there you season go. And in the past seasons. And so I, I do think that he makes sense as a relationship standpoint mm-hmm. and, and ability to get a locker room to rally around him. And I think that might be the best case of, of where the team goes with this, but he is a first time coach. So there's obviously concerns as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not as a, not as a name so much to say that, Oh, this is happening or this has been linked, 
But what are what are the pros of con and cons of bringing in a, a really established figure like a Jason Kidd or a Mike D'Antoni to dramatically different people and coaching styles, to be clear. Um, but Jason, you know, Kidd has been linked very briefly to the Mavericks and D'Antoni. I haven't seen anywhere. Um, could be wrong about that. But just just, you know, two names that do often pop up in these conversations what would you see the value of that? How would you see them interacting with a a changing front office and a team that's already been in the playoffs twice, pushing for contention, isn't there yet, needs to get a bit better to get there? What would you focus on with a dynamic of a of a first time head coach versus a, a more established one? Well, the first time head coach is going to be cheaper if you care about that, right? Like, and, and there are teams that do. I don't think the Mavericks are going to be one, so that's great, right? It means that if they do hire a first time coach, it's not about the money. Like, that's a that's a great thing. That means that they're going to choose the guy that they think is only the best candidate. Um, as far as the temperament and things go, I mean, I think that's going to come up in the interview process. But the beauty from the hiring perspective of looking at guys who have a track record as a head coach is that they actually have the track record that you can go back to. And they usually have a long list of people that you can call and ask about. Whereas assistants often, you know, they're, they're bouncing around as assistants sometimes and you can ask around, but it's not the same as a head coach. Cause you don't know how that guy's going to be when he's in charge. Like think of, think about the Indiana Pacers this year. Okay. They clearly didn't do their, their diligence on Nate Bjorkren. They didn't talk to enough people. They didn't get enough stories and that guy never had that locker room. TJ Warren was asking for a trade out. You know why? Because no one asked the guy who had played for Nate what he was like as a coach. And, and just basic due diligence stuff that's not even about basketball. It's the human part. Because that, as a basketball coach, is half the job. Paying attention to the human part is going to be the single most important thing that they do. Because it is not necessarily about the X's and O's. It's more about... The Jimmy and the Joes. So you got to be able to manage the egos in the locker room. You got to be able to make Luca happy. And then you got to win basketball games. Go ahead and clip that one, Kent. <laughs> All right. One, one, last, uh, one last thing to touch on before we get out of here. <laughs> What'd you make of the, uh, the Dirk Nowitzki news? Uh, this morning it was, it was announced or reported, really more announced, I would say, that he was, and I think this is going to go right into kind of our feelings on it, that it was very much announced. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, Dirk Nowitzki is, is back as a special advisor to the team slash Mark Cuban, and he will help and assist in both the GM search and the head coach search. This is an addition to a firm the team has already hired reportedly that will help them in the search. Uh, okay, cool. What I mean... What what does Dirk bring into the table here? Is it is it just? I mean, if we're looking at this as him being an active part of this process, is it more about okay? I want to make sure that uh, you come in and you know I know that you're going to be able to relate to Luca just because I can put myself in those shoes of being you know a, a star player in the NBA. I mean, what what's his role here? Now I know yeah, that's the, the, the real role. The real role is he's Dirk Nowitzki, uh, you know, mascot. To a certain degree, by the way, not to be disrespectful to Dirk Nowitzki, but uh, in this in this instance, it's a hey, Dirk is on board. All right, we didn't lose Dirk. We're not going to lose. Yeah, to Luka. frame it here, to frame it in a different way, yeah. he's it, he's a he's a calming influence and a person that go. projects stability in a time of instability. The idea that he is coming back in a role that is not day to day 
and with very unclear you know job descriptions beyond these two huge things he's helping with does make me think that some of this is to project stability that's not to say that he can't have valid influence and and help the team i think that more dirk is is usually a good thing it's not to say that he has a great you know front office track record the one Can he that coach? comes to mind is he really wanted uh Rajon Rondo in, in twenty fifteen or that twenty fourteen fifteen season. He was the he was a he was a driving voice behind them trading for Rondo. But hey, man, like I I think that if there's somebody who can tell Cuban he's wrong or tell Cuban to, hey man, step back and like let's trust these people that you hired and to say it in a way that resonates, it's hard to think that there's a lot of people in this universe who would be able to do that to Mark Cuban that, you know, outside of someone like like Dirk Davitsky. I mean I don't know how many people there are who can do that, you know, especially people who don't share the uh, the three commas club as as they like to refer to it. But, you know, I, I do see Dirk as someone who could be potentially or four commas club. Three commas is just billionaires, right? I, yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to oh, throw another okay. comma gosh, on gosh, there. Got to throw another comma. One time I was talking to Mark um, back when he had the pregame press conferences, essentially, where he'd be on the Stairmaster and media could crowd around him during the pregame locker room availability. And Mark would always time his workouts so we could talk to him then. Also a very weird thing. But one time I, I said millionaire and I was I was just asking a question. And I said millionaire and he on a drop of a dime corrected me. Billionaire, you mean. So just a well, just a funny little aside that popped ahead. But anyway, the point being that I think Dirk is someone who could, you know, hopefully be a influential voice in this process, if only to say, Mark, let's trust the people that you are bringing in to you know share advice whether it's the firm whether it's other people who are in this reported meeting that mark had which included uh finley and trusted staff members according to what tim mcmahon reported when you combine all those things i I think it's i can only see it as a good thing but i am also very much jaded to believe that you know there is a also a reason that mark is is calling dirk after a week like this I don't think it's wrong. I mean, I think it's it's good PR for sure, but but I think that's a that's a factor, and I also hope that that he has a level of influence over Mark that you know if if that's needed and if Dirk's willing to say that that Mark would listen. Yeah, didn't he tell him to shut up during a game once? Yeah, that circulated. I mean, obviously Mark yells at players a decent mm-hmm. amount, and the players yell back at him, and it doesn't. But that's mean that a signal of a good relationship. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. So I mean, look. Uh, my hope is, hey, let Dirk be involved. Can't it can't hurt. You know what I mean? Like I, I just right. don't see how it can hurt. Um, and, and like you said, if he's got Cubans here, that's a good thing. I, I don't know necessarily that it is a real position, but I kind of hope it is. I, and again, just to connect two things. I asked the question. Look, Steve yeah. Nash tried to hire Dirk for his coaching staff. Can Dirk coach? Right. Yeah, and, and just to connect two things I said in terms of being kind of jaded, the idea that he's coming back without an actual role, which is essentially how I read the press release. He doesn't have a day-to-day role, and they didn't really talk about what he's going to be doing beyond you know these two things right now. That's the other reason why I kind of think that he's willing to come back and announce himself in this role, but special advisor to the team until we get more details into what that actually looks like and can talk about how Dirk can, could or could not be you know, influential in in those roles. It's always seemed very likely that eventually he's going to be a player development coach for the team. He he won't have that title. You know, that's obviously too low for for someone like him. But he'll have a role where he can do whatever. He has influence. Tim Duncan. Need. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and then he'll be on the court here and there, 
because he just loves hoops. And, you know, why wouldn't you want the godfather of, of the modern basketball stretch big era helping push people along in, in, in that same direction? So I think that's that's the gist of what I have. You got any parting parting thoughts? No, not really. No. I, I think that, no. um, the, you know, the next the next month is going to be pretty interesting to watch. I mean, there's now a lot of coaching vacancies. Don't say that. I need to take vacation, Dave. I need to take yeah, some just don't off. go. You know that every single day I'm on a run or a, or a bike <laughs> ride, and the stuff breaks, and and I have to cut everything short and come back for this. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be. I bet they hire someone pretty soon. I mean, you've got the draft coming up, free agency. They, they need to make some moves. Um, I'd like to see them have a, a at least the front office in place. You know, in the next ten days, wait on the coach, right? Make the right make the right hire. It's hard to get years back. I mean, this right. is like if you look at the Pelicans firing Stan Van Gundy. The one thing that I'll give them credit for, even though I think their hiring process was flawed, the one thing I'm going to give them credit for is pulling the plug when you knew it was over. And so I think if if you're if you're the Mavericks, you want to hire right so you don't waste a year, especially with Luca. Yeah, there's no more years to raise waste. I mean that that was the genesis of of our reporting all week. It's that the time is now, and you got to figure this out for Luca's sake because you know Luca's not Dirk. No one is Dirk. There is no you know there is no next Dirk, and we know superstars in this league. So we'll get out of here now. Um, we'll have a podcast next week for sure. There's still more to talk about. Probably bring a guest on. We've had a guest in a little bit. Sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a great idea. You're welcome to join Dave if you see fit. Yeah, we'll see if I can. We'll see if I can have time. We'll see. see if I have we'll time. see. All right, uh, that's going to be it for us. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned on the Athletic. We should have more stories there in the coming days and weeks. And see you then. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. That's a wrap.